The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The Lord appointed seventy others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if someone of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wage. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, Go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, our readings focus on mission, which is a very important theme throughout the history of our church, but particularly since the Second Vatican Council, which really did encourage the laity to become more involved in this important endeavor, that is, to collaborate with priests to be co-responsible in their ministry of bringing the good news into the world and participating, sharing in Christ's ministry of priest, prophet, and king. We begin in this gospel with God the Father sending Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sent one, and he obeys his Father and begins his ministry by enacting, calling 12, 12 apostles, They are now the sent ones, and they will be the future bishops of the church. But as Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Now in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, this is unique to Luke, he sets out that Jesus went further, not just establishing the 12 apostles, but now sending out 70. Why the number 70? Why not? 85 or 35? The answer is found in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 11, 
where we have what's called the table of nations, Gentile nations, and they were 70. So we had the 12 tribes of Israel, the 70 Gentile nations. What that means is that the good news of Jesus Christ is meant for everyone, all the nations of the world. That's why the church we call Catholic, universal, meant for everyone. Now, how do we put this into effect, the 70? In the Old Testament, God had told Moses to do something very similar. When Moses was overwhelmed with trying to administer all of the needs of the many people that were taken out of Egypt and on the way to the Promised Land, God said, I want you to appoint 70 who will help you. And when Moses obeyed and did that, the Holy Spirit came upon each one of the 70, which was remarkable for the Old Testament, which means that they were empowered to do the mission they were called to do by God. That's the same for us today, the lay people, are like the 70. In your baptism, the Holy Spirit fell upon you and now lives within you and is empowering you to go out and bring the good news to your neighbor. So that's the first important piece. You have been sent, you've been qualified, you've been empowered. But notice that Jesus sends them out in pairs. And that's important for a number of reasons. First of all, when you are sent out in a small group, two or three, or maybe four or five, you can pray for each other. You can get to know each other more deeply, learn each other's story, and then hold each other accountable. As well, each of you would have charisms that the other lack, so that together you would be rich in charisms sent out as this small group, you would be empowered in that way. Also, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Again, the strength of a small group. That can be done in parishes where we can really understand and grow together more intimately. Because if we fail to do that, and we just come to Mass, the temptation is at the sign of peace to introduce ourselves and say, peace be with you, but we can go for years without knowing many people in the parish. It's like we're anonymous. Jesus wants more than that. He wants us to be deep prayer participants with each other in ministry. Jesus also says, when you go out, say to those you encounter, peace be with you. That's crucial because in this divided world where people are against each other, even within their own soul, there's division and much unhappiness. When we can introduce this new level of peace that they've not yet encountered because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we introduce them to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, that will change everything. And that's why Jesus says, that's your first order of priority. Bring peace to whoever you meet. Then he says, stay in the same house. Don't move from house to house. The reason is that if we were to do that, it would be like 
introducing competition among those that we were ministering to so that they would try to outdo each other contrary to the gospel. Simply receive what they give, be satisfied with that, and don't be in it for any kind of gain. Jesus goes on to say, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. In other words, don't bring a lot of stuff. Because then the tendency is we can try to rely on our own resources rather than totally surrender to Christ and the Holy Spirit that already lives within us. Well, the real important part of this gospel comes at the end when the 70 return overjoyed that they have been so successful. And Jesus says, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. There is the confidence that we have in Christ. He's already gone before us. He saw Satan fall at the beginning before the world was even created. Now he lives in us and is giving us this authority. And as the first letter of John says, greater is he that lives within us than he that is within the world. There's the confidence that we need to have. Nevertheless, Jesus says, do not rejoice at this, don't boast over this, but rather that your names are written in heaven. There's the other piece of confidence that we should have. We're not in this for glory. Everything is a gift that we've received. Most especially that we are chosen, we're elected in our baptism. Paul goes on to say in that second reading from Galatians, may I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said that because he knew that was the power, this self-surrender by Christ to the Father. When we enter into that dynamic, where we surrender ourselves sacrificially for the benefit of the other that we're ministering to, then we will be successful because we will meet their needs where they are at. Finally, in the first reading from Isaiah, the last chapter of that beautiful prophetic book, Isaiah talks about this new Jerusalem in such glorious terms. Now, the first Jerusalem was important in the Old Testament because that is where the temple dwelt. That is where everyone came to worship. Sacrifices were offered, not in the local synagogues in the countryside, but in Jerusalem. That's where God and humanity really did meet. But that was only the beginning. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Jesus is the new temple. He takes that newness and then confers it on Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and give you the keys of the kingdom. So now the church of Jesus Christ, which is the Catholic Church, is the new Jerusalem. But notice what Isaiah says about this wonderful Jerusalem. Rejoice with Jerusalem. And we can insert the word church. And be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy that you may nurse and be satisfied and drink deeply with delight from her glorious bosom. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So again, the church that we belong to is meant to be that Jerusalem to others. 
We should rejoice in coming to Mass, rejoice in being fed from the sacraments. Isaiah goes on to say, Your bodies shall flourish like grass, and it shall be known that the hand of the Lord is with his servants. Again, the confidence we have because what was started in the Old Testament with the temple in Jerusalem is now here in the church. But that's not the ending. This is all tending toward the new Jerusalem, the final Jerusalem that is spoken about by Christ in the book of Revelation, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven and now is the new heavens and the new earth, our true destiny. With all of this, let us, with the psalmist, rejoice. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds.